Welcome to Valuification of Things, your one-stop podcast on the discussion of value and especially business value. This is a forum where your host, Shri Sundaram, will be discussing topics on how to quantify value for practically any scenario. Along the way, we will have business leaders and subject matter experts describing their value journey. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this podcast episode. Hi there, I'm Sri Sundaram, your host. In today's episode, we navigate the future of the retail industry through the lens of business value. We dive into the emerging trends in retail and their business value motivations. We also look into examples of successful strategies that have created sustainable business value opportunities for retail organizations. Our guest today is Annie Ho, a retail industry strategist with deep expertise from a world-class portfolio of companies, including Amazon and Microsoft. Annie's areas of expertise are in strategy, design and implementation of transformation initiatives, competitive intelligence, benchmarking, as well as customer experience. Her experience as an avid shopper and a confirmed shoeolic adds to a retail experience from a consumer angle. I'm going to ask her what that means, the shoeolic. Welcome, Annie, to the Valification of Things. Thank you, Sri. I'm so excited to be here and talk more about retail today. Annie, what are some key areas of value that the retail industry is focusing on today? When I think about the last few years, we have gone through so much change in the retail industry. At the same time, I think the key areas of the industry really hasn't gone to too much change. It just there's just more sense of urgency around those areas. So, you know, when I think about it, it's really around speed and efficiency. Consumers want the same things. They want it whenever and wherever they are. That demand really hasn't changed. Uh, secondly, it's around privacy and security. And the third is around up-leveling the experience, the customer experience. And to me, those last two, privacy and security and up-leveling service kind of go hand in hand, right? The consumers want the more personal and curated experience, yet we really need to protect and safeguard the information that is collected and mm -hmm. shared. What lessons have you learned in the last few years? Well, I touched on it in my previous comment around the need for speed and efficiency. I think one of the biggest lessons that um, learned we learned in the last few years is around creating a resiliency in strategy and innovation. Mm -hmm. The pandemic highlighted, um, I think, the woeful inefficiencies in retail and the consumer product supply chain. Right, um, there are huge gaps that were highlighted and we aren't, the retailers and consumer goods really haven't been able to quickly pivot to address issues like ramping on non-discretionary goods needs or being able to pivot quickly to new fulfillment methods like, like the need for curbside. Another lesson that we learned was how we are interpreting the trends of consumer demands. What we saw during the last few years was a tremendous spike in e-commerce and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the need for digital, right? And there was a large, perhaps over pivot to what digital means. And we are seeing some of the repercussions on that with tech companies and other retailers um, as we are now coming off the pandemic bubble. 
you are quite involved in attending and speaking at a lot of industry events. Can you provide any recent examples of successful retail strategies? More importantly, uh, what are some key factors that influence these successes? Well, I think the retail industry, you know, we see a lot of new and unique strategies as the market becomes more saturated and competitive. You know, intelligent insights through data and AI is a big thing. We see that that has enabled retailers to get closer to the customer and drive product innovation. I love what is happening with immersive brand experiences. Mm -hmm. um, for example, a couple months ago, I shared some thoughts on the world of Barbie attraction that's being out there. I think it's in San Francisco right now. Barbie is a nostalgic brand that many of us grew up with. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know, Shri, if you had any experience with Barbie. But, it's on my list. Um, yeah. <laughs> Creating this new immersive attraction is taking Barbie from a brand that was really known as a, a toy for girls to play with to more of an experienced brand that something can so every person can have a different experience with. So even if you are not a fan of Barbie, you can have a different experience. Like I can take my niece there and she can play with toys or go shopping. And even though I'm not a, necessarily a fan of Barbie, you know, I would never say no to having, you know, a sip in the sun. Right. So it's, mm -hmm. it can be a different experience for everyone. How about in the restaurant industry? How about these immersive experiences shaped, uh, especially out of, uh, you know, not just the United States, but around the world? Yeah, I love that you brought that up because I just came back from a trip to Asia. I was in Japan and Korea. So, um, you know, one of the places that I visited was the Shinsegi Market under the Luxury Mall. And uh, there's just the immersive food hall market. So you're just surrounded by all these sights and sounds of a street market. And it's really elevated with integrated technology. So it's really blurring uh, food and retail. And then there's there was this other experience that I had at a Japanese shabu restaurant. Mm -hmm. And that had an integration of automated ordering through tablets. And then there were robots that delivered the food and then customers can interact with it and, it, and you took back the dishes or things like that. But you still receive the excellent and more even elevated customer experience because the people, the servers, were able to provide better focus on the customer because they're focused on you instead of clearing dishes and filling water and things like that. So I think that immersive experience that you're having with technology brings a different experience to the dining experience okay. now. I mean, I, I mean, I get that. This particular immersive experience that you just described uh, did not come at a cost of personalization, right? The, yeah. the service was still a bit. But is it always the case in other retail areas? Let's say in a, you go in a shopping mall, uh, could the influx of additional technology come at a cost of personal personalization, perhaps? Yeah, absolutely. I think we're seeing that now, where technology is overtaking the personalized experience, right? I think uh, whenever you go to the store, they're asking for your phone number, they're asking you to type things into, you know, like a kiosk or when you're checking out. And that takes away from the experience because they're trying to collect information from you to try to curate mm -hmm. or to target you on ads, but it's not doing much for the actual experience. And really, are you getting personalized experiences or personalized targeting? It's really not happening in the way that we're trying to get to in the brand experience. So yes, the answer is yes. Excellent, excellent there, uh, insight there, Annie. So when we come back, we will continue our conversation with Annie Ho. Specifically, I would like to know from her, what are some emerging trends in retail that we ought to keep in mind? This episode of Valuification of Things is sponsored by Valuefy. 
Valuify is a free tool that allows you to create business value models. Go to valuify.net and click download to begin your valuification journey. Welcome back. Today we have Annie Ho, confirmed shoeholic and retail industry expert, speaking to us about the transformation of the retail industry vis-a-vis business value. She spoke to us about key value drivers that are driving success, and she provided examples of Mattel in the world of Barbie. She also talked about the immersive experiences in the restaurant industry that she recently experienced in a trip to Asia. Uh, But before we get into a serious topic, a personal question to you, Annie. You said you're a shoeholic. How does one get diagnosed with shoeholism? <laughs> and do they really want a cure? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know what an official diagnosis for being a shoeaholic is. But, you know, for me, I think, um, you know, I started becoming a shoeaholic when I started designing a shoe room for myself is when I started hearing that term a lot. So that's where I would say, you know, that comes from. And, you know. I would say, like, why do you need a cure for being yeah, a shoe? Yeah, good point, yeah. If you're happy, why do you need a cure? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yes, I, I love my shoes. And I think when I when I had to move, I had a downsize, and that made me very sad. But, you know, I can always keep shopping, right? <laughs> so so I remember a few years ago, Imelda Marcos, a former uh, Filipino uh, first lady, had 3,000 pairs of shoes. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, what is that ideal number or not not an ideal number? What is that number that makes you a shoeholic? How many pairs of shoes do you have to have? Ooh, I don't know if there's an ideal number uh, of shoes. So, um, you know, 3000 sounds like a good number to me. <laughs> I've never <laughs> had that many. <laughs> I think my shoe collection probably hit like two, 200, 250 at one point. Um, but, you know, my, my sister and my mom tried to stop me at one point. <laughs> So I can never get to 3,000. <laughs> so I, I, I learned something new here about shoeholism and, uh, and all of the good stuff. Coming back to our discussion today, Annie, what are some emerging trends in retail that we ought to be watching out for? Well, I think AI, right? AI has been the hot topic trend. It's not necessarily new, but it's coming to the forefront, especially with Gen AI or generative AI. We're already hearing a lot of the use cases in every industry, especially in retail, from inventory management to enhancing the customer service engagement. But I think here with retail, we really have to focus on what are the keys to success in using generative AI. So, you know, for me, that's going to be how to leverage generative AI initially to drive the increased productivity and reduce the cost. And that's where I think the retailers are really going to see the most value to begin with. So focus on prioritizing the cost savings, optimizations, instead of using AI to Mm -hmm. create those fancy, you know, avatars for customer engagement. And then the second area is really going to be around um, the trend that I'm starting to see is up-leveling the customer experience and the up-leveling of services, right? In the beginning of the pandemic, I think people were okay with trade-offs in service, but now we have the expectation and the increased demand for more. They need better service, better, faster. The changing value models here is really going to be driving that demand for the um, experience-based, the faster services. And again, this is going to highlight the need for the supply chain and getting that right. So, so I learned something new about the emerging trends in retail there. Thank you for that, Annie. One of the other things that, you know, 
there's a big buzzword in the industry about ESG in various industries yeah. and how it affects them and all of that good sort of stuff. Some industries have taken the leapfrog and, and are more advanced than this. Some have not. Uh, but for retailers, what are some concerns for them from an ESG perspective, you know, in terms of sourcing, uh, labor practices, sustainable operations? Can you uh, talk a little bit about that? Well, I think, you know, sustainable practices and, and supply chain go hand in hand for me. Um, and you're and you're seeing that now where retailers are focusing on where their sourcing comes. And this also ties into the consumer demand because consumers now want to know where their products are coming from. Are they sustainably sourced? What are the labor practices behind that? Because it becomes important on where consumers are spending their money and the choices that they're making. And, you know, it does actually concern me that some some retailers are now putting the sustainability part of their strategy on the back burner because I think this is going to continue to be an important part of consumers on where they're spending money. But again, it, um, you know, we're seeing fashion and apparel being more transparent about where they're sourcing their materials, how they're recycling. There's a brand called Rothy's that I love shoes. Again, it's shoes, but you know, they started out with flats. All their shoes are made out of recyclable plastics. And I think they still do this practice where you can return your shoes to them and they'll recycle them again. Uh, you know, brands are starting to try to get into recycle, upcycle, how they reuse their products. REI is a great example of that as well. And then labor practices, right? It's not just about, you know, where they're doing child labor and being transparent about things like, you know, those practices, but also diversity in their hiring and, and areas like that as well. That was quite informative, Annie. I enjoyed getting to know more about the retail industry through you. We didn't have too much time to go into the specifics of ESG and consumerism. Uh, I'd like to talk to you about that in a future date, if you will. Thank you for your time today. And thank you for being here on this episode of The Valification of Things. Thank you, Sri. I enjoyed my time. I wish we had more time, like you said, but happy to come back and, and chat more about retail and, and especially ESG. That's a, that's a great topic. So thanks for having me. Thank you for watching this episode. Today, we had Annie Ho, retail industry expert, talking to us about key value motivations in retail. She discussed what successful retail strategies look like, and she talked, gave us the examples of Barbie and Mattel and some restaurant scenarios internationally. She also talked to us about the key trends to be looking out for the near future. We briefly addressed a little bit about ESG and consumerism. In future episodes, we'll continue to dwell on the valification of things with other thought leaders and industry executives. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening to this episode of Valification of Things. I hope you enjoyed it and learned something new. If you did, please share this episode with your friends and family, and don't forget to leave a review. We're always looking for ways to improve and bring in the best content possible. If you want to be featured on this podcast, please drop us a line at podcast at valuification.com.